my dear listeners, and welcome to Counter Melody. It is I, your host, Daniel Gundlach, and as always, I'm committed to bringing you the voices of beloved singers, often focusing on unexpected facets of their artistry. You will also be hearing less celebrated but equally treasurable artists who deserve our attention and respect. I'm honored to have you join me on this ongoing mutual journey of discovery. And now, without any further ado, let's get down to today's business. Great singers and great singing. I've been scarred and battered. My hopes, the wind unscattered. Snow has frizzed me. Sun has baked me. Looks like between them, they didn't try to make me stop laughing, stop loving, stop living. But I don't care. I'm still here. Shall we gather by the river where bright angels' feet have trod with its crystal tide forever flowing by the My friends, that was the great William Warfield in two recordings nearly 50 years apart. The first was his reading of the Langston Hughes poem, Still Here, recorded in 2001, the year before his death. The second was a 1953 recording of At the River from the second set of Old American Songs, which were arranged specifically for William Warfield by Aaron Copeland. Unlike the other singers that I have featured in this Black History Month series, I actually knew William Warfield personally when I was one of the accompanists in his vocal studio at the University of Illinois when I attended there in the mid-1980s. Though I was not one of the, let's say, inner sanctum, I did get to know him fairly well, and we shared a very cordial and warm friendship. So today's episode will reflect 
that friendship to a certain extent. But let's start with some biographical information about this great singer. William Warfield is one of the towering figures in the history of 20th century music. He was born January 22nd, 1920, in Arkansas, the grandchild of slaves. His father was a sharecropper who received the calling to become a Baptist minister and relocated his family to Rochester, New York, where he became a pastor. As a child, young William studied both piano and organ and also sang soprano in his father's children's choir. Once his voice had changed, the first solo song that he sang was Deep River. Many decades later, in 1962 to be exact, he recorded this song again with Virgil Fox accompanying him on the organ.
Shortly after this experience, he went to a concert by that marvelous singer Dorothy Maynor, who herself went on to found the Harlem School of the Arts. When he went backstage to meet her after the concert, he told her that he was going to become a singer like she was. She signed his program, and afterwards, when he looked at what she had written, she wrote to a colleague. I haven't played nearly enough Dorothy Maynor on the podcast yet, so here's a very brief example of her singing on the voice of Firestone from July 1945. Dorothy Maynor has chosen as her first selection the familiar In the Globe. After earning not only his high school diploma, but also his cosmetology degree, William Warfield then applied to the Eastman School of Music, where he was accepted on a full scholarship. Just as he was completing his degree, the United States was attacked at Pearl Harbor, and he was drafted into the Army. While he was still serving in the military, he auditioned for and was awarded the role of Husky Miller in the Broadway production of Carmen Jones. Unfortunately, his military assignment would not allow him to take on the part. But once the war was concluded, Warfield used funds from the GI Bill to begin his master's degree at Eastman. While he was doing this, he auditioned for a role in the musical review Call Me Mister, in which Lawrence Winters had starred on Broadway. Warfield was awarded the same part on the national tour. One of his fellow performers there was the singer and actor William Marshall, who became known in later years in such black exploitation pics as Blackula. I was able to find this rare recording of William Marshall, probably from around that same time, singing the spiritual Let Us Break Bread Together on Our Knees. This is an excerpt from that. Let us break bread together Let us pray, pray together on our knees. 
According to Warfield, he and William Marshall were polar opposites, temperamentally speaking. To quote from Warfield's autobiography, he didn't miss a single nuance of even unconscious racism. I shrugged it off. Racism was going to be the racist's handicap, not mine. Many years later, William Warfield recorded a handful of Langston Hughes poems, including this one, Negro. I am a Negro, black as the night is black, black like the depths of my Africa. I've been a slave. Caesar told me to keep his doorsteps clean. I brushed the boots of Washington. I've been a worker. Under my hand, the pyramids arose. I made mortar for the Woolworth building. I've been a singer. All the way from Africa to Georgia, I carried my sorrow songs. I made ragtime. I've been a victim. The Belgians cut off my hands in the Congo. They lynch me still in Mississippi. I am a Negro, black as the night is black, black like the depths of my Africa. After the Call Me Mister tour, Warfield moved to New York and began studying with Eve Tiner and Otto Hertz, a pianist whom we will hear later in the podcast. He created the role of Cal in Mark Blitstein's opera-slash-musical-slash-hybrid Regina, from which we heard Carol Bryce sing a beautiful example several weeks ago. According to an interview which I heard with him, he said that the aria that Addie sings was originally given to Cal to sing. Shortly thereafter, he made his New York concert debut at Town Hall. He was signed immediately for a three-month tour of Australia, and while he was there, his agent informed him that MGM was interested in him for the role of Joe in their remake of Showboat. Certainly, Old Man River is the song for which William Warfield is still most remembered today. I'm not going to play that song for you. Instead, I have a pair of songs to take its place. The first is called Without a Song. It's from the musical review Great Day, written by Vincent Humans. The Without a Song both refers to what life would be like without a song and the fact that you're not getting the song Old Man River on this episode. <laughs> Without a song, the day would never end. Without a song, the road would never bend. When things go wrong, a man ain't got a friend. Without a song, that field of That field of corn would be deserted now. A man is born, but he's no good, no how, without a song. I got my trouble and woe, but sure as I know the Jordan will roll. I'll get along as long as a song 
But of course, Old Man River references the sea or the river, and William Warfield did record with the pianist Otto Hertz in 1952 a series of sea shanties arranged by Celius Dougherty. I'm going to offer you his version of Shenandoah, which I think is quite beautiful. year that William Warfield filmed Showboat, he made his first television appearance on the Colgate Comedy Hour, singing It Ain't Necessarily So. It ain't necessarily so It ain't necessarily so The things that your preacher is liable to teach you They ain't necessarily so Oh 
Methuselah lived 900 years. Methuselah lived 900 years. But who calls that living when no gal will give him to no man what's 900 years? I'm preaching this sermon to show it ain't Nessa, ain't Nessa, ain't Nessa, ain't Nessa, ain't Nessa, In 1952, the U.S. State Department was sponsoring an international tour of Gershwin's Porgy and Bess. William Warfield was offered the role of Porgy in that production. Cast opposite him was the young soprano Leontine Price. The two of them were married the day before the tour to Europe began. We are so privileged to have a recording from Berlin of a live performance from that very tour. Another extraordinary thing about this production is that it was conducted by Alexander Smolens, who conducted the world premiere of Porgy on Broadway in 1935. Maya Angelou was on this tour with Warfield and Price, and she described his performance as Porgy thus. He dragged the audience into his despair. His resonant voice straddled the music as he wrote it. You certainly hear that in the exchange between the two of them before she sings the famous I Loves You Porgy melody. This is from the 21st of September, 1952. Now the time, oh God, now the time. God, thank God. Oh, I want to stay, but I'm worried. 
If there were no crown best, if there was only just you and Corgi, what then? of those performances, Leontine Price very quickly assumed many different operatic roles, including television broadcasts of Tosca and dialogues of the Carmelites on NBC opera. Opera, however, did not play a significant part in William Warfield's career. Rather, he became much more known for his concert work. As their careers took divergent paths, so too did their lives. They separated in the late 50s and divorced amicably in 1972. For the rest of this episode, I'm going to play you examples, first from Aaron Copland's Old American Songs, which we heard at the beginning of the podcast, and then numerous examples of Warfield singing German Lieder, which I think was his most significant artistic achievement. Peter Pierce and Benjamin Britten gave the first performances of the first set of Aaron Copland's Old American Songs, but it was William Warfield that became most associated with these songs. Copland arranged five additional songs which comprise set two of the Old American songs, and William Warfield recorded those in 1953. Copland subsequently orchestrated all of the songs, and it's this 1963 recording that he made with William Warfield that we're going to hear a few excerpts from right now. First is the minstrel song, The Boatman's Dance. It's not an anonymous composer here. This is not a folk song, but rather a song by Daniel Decatur Emmett, also known slash notorious as the composer of Dixie. This is The Boatman's Dance. <laughs> Oh, 
boatman dance, the boatman sing, the boatman up to everything. And when the boatman gets on shore, he spends his cash and works for more than dance, the boatman dance. Oh, dance, the boatman dance. Oh, dance all night, to broad day night, to the home with the gals in the morning. At this point, I think I need to address the elephant in the room, so to speak. And that is that William Warfield had what I would call a very idiosyncratic vocal method, which didn't always serve him in the greatest stead. I'm sure that through some of the examples that I've played for you, you hear this very strange combination of a very backward sound that is then catapulted into the mask or the nose, and it made for an enormous sound when he would demonstrate this technique for students. The walls would shake. It also sounded, at that point, pretty terrifying because he had developed a rather enormous wobble. But his insights into the repertoire were really extraordinary. One also hears instances where his singing assumes the most extraordinary gentleness and insight. And it is this that causes me, at least, to overlook any vocal idiosyncrasies. You hear that especially in this next song, Long Time Ago, which is one of the most gorgeous bits of singing I've ever heard from anybody. Bye. 
This next song is the very playful I Bought Me a Cat. This has never been a favorite song of mine, unless it's being performed by William Warfield. It's pretty adorable. I remember the demonstrations that he used to give to students who were working on this song. It was so vividly characterized and so charming. You really just found yourself giving in to the charm of the song and the singer and overlooking the questionable sexual politics of wife as acquisition, Nuff said. I bought me a cat, my cat is me. I fed my cat on the yonder tree. My cat says fiddle-a-fee. I bought me a duck, my duck please me. I fed my duck on the yonder tree. My duck says quack, quack. My cat says fiddle-a-fee. I bought me a goose, my goose pleased me. I fed my goose on the yonder tree. My goose says quack, quack. My duck says quack, quack. My cat says fiddle-a-fee. I bought me a hen, my hen pleased me. I fed my hen on the yonder tree. My hen says shimmy-shack, shimmy-shack. My goose says quack, quack. My duck says quack, quack. My cat says fiddle I fee. I bought me a pig, my pig pleased me. I fed my pig on the yonder tree. My pig says crispy, crispy. My hen says shimmy shack, shimmy shack. My goose says quack, quack. My duck says quack, quack. My cat says fiddle I fee. I bought me a cow, my cow pleased me. I fed my cow on the yonder tree. My cow says moo, moo. My pig says crispy, crispy. My hen says shimmy shack, shimmy shack. My goose says quack, quack. My duck says quack, quack. My cat says fiddle I fee. I bought me a horse, my horse pleased me. I fed my horse on the yonder tree. My horse said nay, nay. My cow said moo, moo. My pig says crispy, crispy. My hen says shimmy shack, shimmy shack. My goose says quack, quack. My duck says quack, quack. My cat says fiddle I fee. I bought me a wife, my wife pleased me. I fed my wife on the yonder tree. My wife says, honey, honey. My horse said, nay, nay. My cow said, moo, moo. My pig says, crispy, crispy. My hen says, shimmy, shimmy, shimmy. The goose says, quack, quack. My duck says, quack, quack. My cat says, fiddle I fee. 
William Warfield also became quite known for his performances of Baroque music. In my episode about the Bach Aria Group, I included a complete performance of William Warfield's from Bach's cantata BWV 159. Because it is such an exquisite performance, I'm going to offer you just a portion of that same aria. It's called Es ist vollbracht. The oboist is Robert Bloom, and Frank Brief is conducting the Bach aria group. Of course, Warfield also recorded the bass solos from Messiah twice, once with Eugene Ormandy, once with Leonard Bernstein. But I must say, I much prefer his more intimate approach to Baroque music, such as we hear right here. I want to mention that I do have a Patreon page. I've been posting all of my extra Black History Month episodes outside that Patreon paywall, but come March, I will once again be posting two to three extra episodes a month exclusively for my Patreon subscribers. Like all of us, I'm in rather dire financial straits, but it gives me great joy to produce these episodes for my listeners every week. For those of you who wish to support me in my endeavors, please go to patreon.com slash countermelody, where you can pledge your monthly support in any amount from $2 on up. I make these episodes available to all people who subscribe. Doesn't matter if you give $2, doesn't matter if you give $200, you will receive the same benefit. Thanks again. William Warfield may have been the first African-American classical singer to be signed to a recording contract. His was with Columbia Records, and he made a number of very significant and beautiful recordings for them. The first was an album which combined ancient music of the church with ballads by 
Karl Löwe. Karl Löwe is most remembered today in his native Germany for writing songs that are referred to as balladen, ballads that tell a story. Often these songs take on epic length. This song is called Hochzeitlied. It's set to a text of Goethe. The song concerns a knight who is returning from the Crusades to his castle and finds that it is in disrepair, and he lies down on a makeshift bed on the floor and is awakened by a group of small elves who ask if they may celebrate a wedding on the premises. The knight almost feels that he is hallucinating, but he gives his consent, and an extraordinary feast and celebration take place before his eyes. At the end of the song, we are told that shortly thereafter, he celebrated his own wedding in similar style on the very grounds where the fairies first held their wedding. William Warfield's prowess with the German language is on full display here. It's interesting because he never lost his rather thick American accent, and yet the dexterity with which he delivers the text is absolutely fantastic in all senses of the word. The very capable pianist is once again Otto Herz. Als er im willigen Schlummer so lag, bewegte sich unter dem Bette. Die Ratte, sie raschte so lange sie mag, ja, wenn sie ein Bröselein hätte. Doch siehe, da steht ein winziger Wicht, ein Zwerglein so zierlich mit Ampellenlicht, mit Rednergebärden und Sprechergewicht am Fuß des ermüdeten Grafen. Der schläft, er nicht möchte, er doch schlafen. Wir haben uns Feste hier oben erlaubt, seitdem du die Zimmer verlassen. Und weil wir dich weit in der Ferne geglaubt, so dachten wir eben zu prassen. Und wenn du vergönnest und wenn dir nicht glaubt, so schmausen wir Zwerge behaglich und laut zu Ehren der reichen und niedlichen Braut. Der Graf im Behagen des Traumes bedient euch immer des Raumes. Da kommen drei Reiter, sie kommen hervor, die unter dem Bett gehalten. Dann folgt ein singendes, klingendes Chor, possierliche kleine Gestalten. Und Wagen auf Wagen mit allem Gerät, das einem so hören und sehen vergeht, wie es nur in den Schlössern der Könige steht. Zuletzt auf vergoldeten Wagen, die Brat und die Gäste getragen. Es rennt nun alles in vollem Galopp und fühlt sich im Saale sein Plätzchen zum Brechen und Balzen und lustigen Hopp. Er kieset sich jeder sein Schätzchen. Da pfeift es und geigt es und klinget und klirrt. Da ringelt und schleift es und rauscht und wird. Da pispert und knistert und flüstert und flirrt. Das Gräflein ist picket hinüber. Es stinkt ihm als Weg er im Dieber. Nun doppelt und rappelt und trappelt es im Saal vom Bänken in stillen Tischen. Da will nun ein jeder am festlichen Mahl sich neben dem Liebchen erfrischen. Sie tragen die Würste, die Schinken so klein und Rattenen fischen Geflügel herein, da kreise beständig der köstliche Wein, was tosen und kose zu lang. Da pfeift es, da ringt es, da pispert es, da geigt es und schleift es und flüstert es, das klingelt und rauscht und flüstert und klirrt und wirrt und schwirrt. Da klappt und rappelt und pappelt mit Pinken in stillen Tischen, da will nun ein jeder beim Maler sich neben dem Liebchen erfrischen, das tosen und kose zu lang, verschwindet zuletzt mit Gesang.
Und sollen wir singen, was weiter geschehen, so schweige das Toben und Tosen. Denn was er so artig im Kleinen gesehen, erfuhr er genossen im Großen. Trompeten und klingende, singende Schall und weiter und wagen und freudliche Schmack. Sie kommen und zeigen und neigen sich an und selige, selige Leute. If William Warfield took a shine to you, you were immediately told to address him exclusively as Uncle Bill. In fact, his tombstone refers to him by that name. He was an incredibly charismatic and charming man, and he had a fantastic sense of humor. I want to tell one little story. He had a singer who had prepared the Richard Strauss song Zu Eignung for their juries. Now, the word Zu Eignung never appears in the text of the song itself. And the student had worked very hard on their German for the song, but they had forgotten to find out how to pronounce the title. So they stood up in front of the jury and said, I would now like to sing The Going Going. When Uncle Bill would tell this story, he would burst into peals of laughter. He was a wonderful raconteur. And though I wasn't in the inner sanctum, I was invited to a number of parties that he had at his apartment. And these were legendary, as was his sweet potato pie, which, as a diabetic, I was only able to consume just the smallest sliver because it was extraordinarily sweet. It was also delicious, and everybody loved it, and everybody loved him. It was well known in the music department that Uncle Bill was gay. He certainly made no bones about it if he was around other gay people, his students, his accompanist, me. And yet, along with his joviality, I really did pick up on the reverberations of the suffering that he had gone through in his life. As a black gay man who was a figurehead for so many, I don't want to belabor the point, but I think that this contributed to the profound humanity that one encounters in his singing. Another recording of German leader that William Warfield made with Otto Herz for Columbia Records was the following year in 1953 when he recorded Robert Schumann's Liederkreis, Opus 39. I'm so taken with his performance of these songs and I'm going to offer you the last four songs of the cycle. These songs are all set to texts by Josef von Eichendorf, one of the quintessential poets of German Romanticism. Most of the songs take place in the out-of-doors, often in the woods, describing sinister or nostalgic or supernatural scenes. The first song that I'm going to play for you is called Wehmut. It's my favorite song from the cycle. The poet says, yes, I can sing as if I were happy, but the secret tears well up, and through weeping my heart is set free. In the same way, nightingales sing their song of longing from within the dungeon of their cage. Everyone listens and remarks on how beautiful it is, and yet no one seems to hear 
the pain in that sorrowing song. What I treasure in this performance is Warfield's exceptional legato. Even when the vocalism is sometimes a little bit iffy, the way that he binds one note into the next is positively extraordinary. Couple this with the profound humanity of his interpretation, and you have a performance of extraordinary beauty. The next song from the cycle is called Zwielicht, and it describes dusk as it falls, as a time of great uncertainty and unrest and foreboding. If you have a friend, don't trust him at this hour. Though he may smile to your face, behind your back, he may be planning treachery. The sun is setting wearily, and tomorrow it will rise again. But during the night, so many things can go wrong. Be careful, be wary, be watchful. Das 
The next song is called Im Walde. The poet describes a wedding procession passing over the mountain, but before the poet knows it, darkness has once again covered the land, and now the forest sighs from the mountain, and in the depths of his heart, the poet trembles with fear. Es zog The last song, Frühlingsnacht, describes the joy of the spring night, with the flowers blooming, the nightingale singing, the moon and the stars and the forest all proclaiming it. She is yours. Die 
By the time the 1960s rolled around, William Warfield's voice was no longer in prime condition. As he moved through his 40s, the voice got lower, deeper. He was no longer any semblance of a baritone, but rather a bass baritone. And because of his unusual technique, sometimes the voice didn't hold together as well as it might have otherwise. Here are a couple examples from the Robert Schumann cycle, Spanische Liebeslieder, that he recorded with the dual pianists Gold and Fitzdale, Arthur Gold and Robert Fitzdale, in 1963. The first is a duet that he sings with Leopold Simonot. It's called Blaue Augen hat das Mädchen. This French-Canadian tenor was one of the supreme Mozart singers of the 1950s and early 60s. He was also the voice teacher of one of my most faithful listeners, so I'm happy to present Leopold Simonot to you here in duet with William Warfield. Das Mädchen verliebte sich nicht rein. Sind so reich, sind so süß, schaffen jedes Gesicht. Wissen doch so stolz zu blicken, wissen doch so stolz zu blicken, dass sie eitel schaffen kann, dass sie eitel schaffen kann. Blaue Augen hat das Mädchen, wer verliebte sich nicht Liebeslieder is a cycle for four solo singers who sometimes are singing in duet, sometimes in quartet, and who each also have a solo song to sing. The basis solo song is called Flutenreicher Ebro, the surging Ebro River. As with so many 19th century romantic German leader, the breeze or the brook the river is being asked to carry a message to the beloved. Please give her my greetings and ask her if she sometimes thinks of me. Ihre laubigen Pappeln schimmernde Pfade 
so leichten Fußes mein Mädchen wandelt, wenn sie euch begegnet, frag sie, frag sie, ob in ihrem Glück sie meiner gedenket, sie meiner gedenket, ob in ihrem Glück sie meiner gedenket, ihr schwärmenden Vögel, die den Sonnenaufgang singen dir begrüßet mit Flötenstimmen. Frage die Geliebte dieses Ufers Blume, ob in ihrem Glück sie meiner getänkt. Sie meiner getänkt, sie meiner getänkt. Ob sie meiner, meiner getänkt. Now from 10 years later, from a recording of songs by the Austrian-American Jewish composer Karl Weigel, I present to you the song O Nacht, du Silberbleiche, composed to a text by Hermann Hesse. O night, you pale, lost dreamer, take my soul into your foreign realms, shipwrecked by the cares of day in momentary rest. From my desperate flight, I moor my shy boat in the port of your stillness. The pianist here is David Garvey, who was also the lifelong accompanist of Leontine Price. In this regard, he displayed all the same positive artistic traits that he showed as a singer. William Warfield won a Grammy Award for his recording of Aaron Copland's Lincoln Portrait. 
he also participated in a legendary performance with Leonard Bernstein and the New York Philharmonic from the Royal Albert Hall in London on the dawn of the U.S. Bicentennial. Here is a mere portion of that performance. I chose this part specifically as a critique of some of the things that have been going on in our government as of late. Fellow citizens, we cannot escape history. That is what he said. That is what Abraham Lincoln said. Fellow citizens, we cannot escape history. We of this Congress and this administration will be remembered in spite of ourselves. No personal significance or insignificance can spare one or another of us. The fiery trial through which we pass will light us down in honor or dishonor to the latest generation. We, even we here, hold the power and bear the responsibility. inches tall and this is what he said he said it is the eternal struggle between two principles right and wrong throughout the world it is the same spirit that says you toil and work and earn bread and I'll eat it no matter in what shape it comes whether from the mouth of a king who seeks to bestride the people of his own nation and live by the fruit of their labor or from one race of men as an apology for enslaving another race. It is the same tyrannical principle. Here are two further late career readings by William Warfield. The first is of the poem Madam and the Census Taker by Langston Hughes. This performance brings a particular smile to my face because it reminds me of the campiness that Uncle Bill could display in his most unbuttoned moments. The census man, the day he came round, wanted my name to put it down. I said, Johnson, Alberta K. But he hated to write the K that way. He said, what does K stand for? I said, K, and nothing more. He said, I'm going to put it K-A-Y. I said, if you do, you lie. My mother christened me Alberta K. You leave my name just that way. He said, Mrs., with a snort, just a K makes your name too short. I said, I don't give a damn. Leave me in my name just like I am. Furthermore, rub out that Mrs. too. I'll have you know I'm madam to you. And on the flip side of the coin, here is William Warfield's performance 
of Paul Lawrence Dunbar's poem Prometheus from a live reading in 1995. Prometheus stole from heaven the sacred fire and swept to earth with it o'er land and sea. He lit the vestal flames of poesy, content for this to brave celestial ire. Wroth were the gods with eternal hate, pursued the fearless one who ravished heaven that earth might hold and feed the perfect heaven to lift men's souls above their low estate. But judge you now when poets wield their pen. Think not well the wrong has been repaired. Twas all in vain that ill Prometheus fared. The fire has been returned to heaven again. We have no singers like the ones whose note gave challenge to the noblest warbler's song. We have no voice so mellow, sweet, and strong as that which broke from Shelley's golden throat. The measure of our songs is our desires. We tinkle where old poets used to storm. We lack their substance, though we keep their form. We strum our banjo strings and call them lyres. In July 2002, William Warfield fell in his home in Chicago and suffered a broken neck. He went to a rehab facility, but after complications set in, he died on August 26, 2002. I remember that William Warfield held a very special place in his heart for the four serious songs, the Vier Ernste Gesänge by Johannes Brahms. And it is here that William Warfield achieves the apex of his artistry, all of these four serious songs that Brahms composed at the end of his life were composed to religious texts. I'm going to conclude today's episode with excerpts from the final two songs. The third song, O Tod, wie bitter bist du, Death, how bitter you are, chides death for his cruelty when he fells human beings in their prime. But in the second part of the song, which we're going to hear right now, he thanks death for the mercy that he shows those who are old and weak and suffering. Oh.
Friends, thank you for joining me today. I'm so pleased to have been able to take you through the life and career of the great William Moorfield and to share with you a few stories of my fond acquaintance with him. The text of the final song that we will hear today is from 1 Corinthians 13. This, of course, is the great treatise on love. Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels and have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. The part that I'm going to play for you is the end of that chapter and the end of the song, where the text reads, For now we see as in a mirror darkly, but then face to face. Now I know only in part, but then I shall know just as I also am known. And now abide. Faith, hope, and love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. My dear friends, 
keep the song in your hearts. I'm Daniel Gundlach.